Father, once again we come before you in prayer this morning. And Lord, there's not a one of us that are assembled here together that does not have needs. Lord, that is not in a position where we want to see you work in our lives. Lord, I am sure with this many people assembled together that there must be at least one that does not know you as their Savior. Lord, we pray that today this time here in this service would be another step closer to the Savior. Lord, we pray for uh, others that are struggling with circumstance in life. And Lord, uh, possibly even just simple obedience to your word. We ask that you would do your work in our hearts and lives that we may bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing. Andrew anyway, and we got Deborah until the fall. And uh, this is Stephen's last Sunday with us until uh, the wedding in uh, um, August. And then he'll be here just for one Sunday and then back to Heartland again. So uh, pray for them. But uh, just so you have a note, Stephen's going to actually be preaching tonight. want to give him an opportunity to exercise uh, the gifts that God has given him and, so, and the calling that is on his life. And uh, the rest of us, I'd like you to turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 4, I'm sorry. We'll get into Romans chapter 5. And I want you to uh, pay uh, close attention because we're going to be trying to cover uh, a large portion of Scripture this morning. Our our main thrust is going to be on one verse, but uh, we're looking for... Uh, trying to get all of chapter 4 and half a chapter, at least a portion of chapter 5 in this morning. And uh, we're going to start with just reading uh, the main text, which is verse 5 of chapter 4. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Let's read that again. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. What I'd like to preach on this morning is his faith. The just shall live by his faith. The man that's described in this verse, his faith is counted for righteousness, which means there's an awful lot of faiths that aren't counted for righteousness. Just because you have faith doesn't mean you're saved. Doesn't mean you're right. People put faith in all kinds of things. And... uh, the one that just never fails to puzzle me completely. Oh, I just think it's going to get better. Well, what do you base that hope on? Well, I just, I just believe in the goodness of mankind. And I believe in history. And, and things just get better. Really, is it better today than it was 50 years ago? I mean, is it better today than, than it was before? Now, you can argue all you want, but, but I'll tell you, there was a time in this country anyway where the majority of people, even those who did not believe in the Bible, were against alcohol to the point that they voted it out of existence through a constitutional amendment. You said, but, but the, the gangsters and... yeah. How many of you remember the St. Valentine's Day Massacre? Oh, that was a terrible act of violence. Some gangsters dressed up as policemen killed four people. And they called it a massacre. That happens in apartments nowadays. That doesn't even make the news. If you want to, if you want to make the news, you've got to kill fifteen or twenty to make the news today. 
Don't, don't tell me how good it is. I, I can't understand that. People have faith in everything except God. Well, I should say except the God of this Bible. There, there are many people who claim to have faith in God, but when you examine what the Bible says about it, it says, see, his faith, this, this verse here, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now, when you stand before God, that's the only issue that is going to matter. That is the only question that needs to be answered. Did the faith that you possess, the faith that you have, will God, when He examines that faith, count it for righteousness? To you. It's got to be imputed on your calendar, on your life, on your life record. It's got to count for righteousness because if you're not righteous... You're going to wind up on the wrong side of eternity. You're going to miss heaven and its glory. You're going to be condemned to an eternal hell, an eternal separation from God. You say, you're one of them old hellfire and brimstone preachers? Well, as much as I possibly can be. Because it's still in the Bible. And so, let's pick up the context of this verse and let's uh, look at exactly what's talking. It says, what shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? What did Abraham have? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Do you get what it's saying? If Abraham had works... He would have something to be proud of. He would have something to glorify himself about. And just in case you're wondering, every time somebody does something good, what do they do? They tell the whole world about it, don't they? Uh, They want newspaper reporters to be there. Uh, I just got a a little thing. I guess we might as well say this. Uh, A little note from Landmarks. They gave a a grant of $25,000 to help us repair the building and they want us to put up a little poster that says this work was made possible by landmarks i I want to put underneath of it but we raised 107,000 at heartland baptist bible college in oklahoma city from baptist churches amen uh brother mike will be here tonight we'll talk about that at our business meeting tonight okay uh we'll we'll put up their little poster but we're going to put up one of our own amen and uh, because we want people to know the real story. And we're thankful for the 25. We really are because we don't have it. We're, we're thankful for it. It helps. But uh, I'm much more thankful for the gifts of God's churches. And because that's the way God gets his work done. Now, if Abraham had something to count for righteousness, he'd have something to boast about, wouldn't he? He'd have something to explain to people. It says, but not before God. I I don't know how to impress you with this. I don't know how to impress myself with this truth at some time. God doesn't need me. God doesn't need you. He doesn't need what you can do. He's God. He said... Would I come to you if I were hungry? I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't need your sacrifices. I don't need your acts. You need them. People say, oh, all your church is about money. Well, we only take one offering a week. Because we want you to understand that our church isn't about money. Yeah, but you'd still take one. 
Yeah, okay, and I'd hire you to come in and do the work, and you'd do it for free, right? What the offering plate is about, it's an opportunity to worship God through what he has given us. It's as much a part of our worship as the special music is, as the singing of the hymns, as the preaching of the word. It's important that we honor God that way. But it's not about you. It's about God. And this is what Abraham found. Abraham found. It says, the Scripture saith, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 15. This is the story of Abraham believing God. Now, this was not the first time that Abraham had met God and talked to him. Nor would it be the last time. God had rescued Lot from the destruction of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God appears to him in verse 1. He says, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. I mean, I wish I could spend the whole Sunday on morning on that. God is your shield. He is the greatest. If you have God, what else do you need? Why, why do we worry about all of these things? Why am I so concerned about paying all the bills for fixing things at Union when we have God? Because I'm human and I'm weak. And I don't have the faith that I ought to have. And that's where we all are. But I'll tell you what. God is our exceeding great reward. I don't know how... We get to a point we get so comfortable with God that sometimes we think we deserve Him. That's not faith. That's pride. Greatest sin in all the Bible is pride. The unseen sin that is at the base, the causative agent of every other sin that we sin. Pride. And God tells Abraham, listen, I'm the one that keeps you. I'm the one that protects you. I am your exceeding reward. And Abraham says, God, how, how am I going to pass this reward on? You've, you've promised me that, that I will have uh, children and the only person I have is the steward of my house. Well, God knew what he was doing. Says Abraham, it wouldn't be a miracle if Isaac were born right now. But when Isaac's born, it's going to be a miracle. It's going to be such a miracle that it's going to be recorded in the Bible for all generations to come. That Abraham at 100 years old and Sarah at 90 brought forth a child that would carry on their seat. You see, God is never late. He's never early either. He is working on his time. The problem is, we don't have the same watch. All all those movies, synchronize your watches. Uh, Don't you wish you could synchronize your faith with God? Well, you can. And this is is what the sermon is this morning, is, is getting our faith in line with God. It's being obedient today. And God told him, that you're going to have your own child, in verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. This is what Abraham found. This is what uh, 
Paul is talking about as he's writing the words to the Romans. And let's go back to Romans chapter 4 if we can. Back to Romans chapter 4. Verse 4 says, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now what is Paul saying here? He's saying we're using the example of Abraham. He's saying, listen, what did Abraham find? What did Abraham have? He found out that no matter how much he worked, no matter how many good things he did, no matter how hard he tried... He was still farther from God than when he started. How many of you have ever tried that? Tried to serve God or to be righteous with your own efforts. You see, there's one thing that you will learn and one thing alone as you get close to God. How far away you really are. How great the distance is between His holiness and ours. Now, under most circumstances, that would be discouraging. A lot of people, they, they, they start to grasp that thought and they just quit living the Christian life. I'm just going to ignore it. Well, let me tell you, that doesn't work either, my friend. Here's what works. Stop working to please God. Stop trying to be good enough to earn His grace and His favor. You already have it. For God so loved the world. Oh, I get frustrated with the Calvinist. They changed the words. For God so loved the elect. I read in a commentary. It was written in the 1600s, actually. It says, well, we understand that when God says He loves the world, that He's talking about the elect. No. He's talking about the world. You cannot earn or deserve God's love. He pours it equally upon every soul. Aren't you glad God sends the rain on the just and the unjust? Otherwise, none of us would have lived long enough to have gotten saved. Somebody says, why doesn't he just send down a lightning bolt and destroy all those people? Because God's long-suffering. In the time that he is being patient with them... He's given you and I time to get things right with Him and prepare to live for him, with Him for eternity in heaven. Do not short-sell the patience of God with His people. The world is benefiting from that. And we need to take advantage of that long-suffering and take the message of Jesus to the world in which we live. Well, they don't want to hear it. That's okay. You didn't want to hear it the first time you heard it either, most of us. But somebody kept being patient and kept giving it to you. And so, we got to keep moving here. But let's just read verse 5 one more time. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now we're going to go into the example of David. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now, David, unfortunately, knew exactly what those verses were talking about, didn't he? David had some great sins. In his life. In fact, when the prophet came in and told him the story about the man with the lamb who took his neighbor's lovely little pet and killed him to feed the 
stranger that had come to visit him. David said he'll pay fourfold. That was the law's requirement. And he's going to die because he had no mercy. Old Nathan stuck that finger right in the king's face and said, Thou art the man. Because the lamb you took is now your wife and her husband is dead. He said, But God hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Because David was such a special person? No. Because God rejoices in forgiving sin. But he can only forgive it if we'll let him pay for it. You know, our psychiatric wards are full of people who are trying to pay for sins that Jesus paid for on the cross. I don't make light of that. I just wish there was some way to give them the message where they would hear it and would receive it and be set free from the bondage that is there. Memorial Day is coming up. Many of our men and now our women who are serving our country have seen and done things that haunt them all their life. I have only one message for them if they could learn to put those things under the blood of Jesus Christ. They could be made whole again. And let him carry those burdens which are crushing the life out of their souls. You see, that's faith in Jesus Christ. You see, David knew what it was because there was nothing that David could offer that would change the course his life had taken. There was nothing David could do to make things right. Uriah was dead. And the most disgusting part of it all was most of Israel looked at David as a hero for acting the part of a brother to one of his mighty men when he was the one that occasioned that man's death. See, in the law, there was a provision made that if a, if a man died without a child, someone else in the family, the next of kin, that's what happened in the book of Ruth, was to marry them and to produce a son that would carry on uh, their line. And David had stepped in and, and played that part in Mary and Bathsheba and many of the people in Israel. Look at how the king loves his men. You wonder why God was so upset? That's why he was upset. But he still forgave David. Not because he's some passive old fuddy-duddy sitting in a rocking chair. Oh, well, people will be people. Boys will be boys. No. But because Jesus paid the price for every sin on the cross. See, this is something you have to understand about forgiveness. Forgiveness demands payment. There's no forgiveness in the Bible without payment. Oh, good. My brother, my sister, my husband, my wife, my uncle, my father, they never gave me anything, so I don't have to forgive them. Wrong! You're not the one that made the payment. Jesus is. Therefore, there is no excuse for any Christian not to forgive. That's why Jesus said in what the world calls the Lord's Prayer, it's actually the disciples' prayer, he's teaching them how to pray, forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those. I'm misquoting it, but it's forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have hurt us. You want God to forgive you? 
You have to forgive others if you can't. You don't have what Jesus gave you. You see, that's where faith comes in. We talked about doctrine in Sunday school. How the doctrine is important. Well, here's doctrine. Faith is doctrine. Faith is what our doctrine produces. It's believing the Word of God enough to be obedient to it. And we have the example of Abraham. And then we get to verse 9. It says, Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, the Jewish people, or upon the uncircumcision also the Gentiles. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision, keeping the law? Or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. He received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised that he might be the father of all them that believe though they be not circumcised that righteousness might be imputed unto them also and the father of circumcision to them who are not the circumcision only but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham which he had being yet uncircumcised See, that was a Jewish rite. God had instituted it. That was one of the defining characteristics of the Jewish people and still is to this day. But you see, when it was counted to God for Abraham, when God counted his faith for righteousness sake, Abraham... Didn't even know about that yet. That was going to come after the birth of Ishmael. After another failure and a sin on Abraham's part. And Sarah was complicit and planning this sin. I, you know, you sometimes... Sin never makes sense, my friend. But we all have far too much experience with it, do we not? But here's what God did. He forgives us. See, this explains... Other passages in the Bible, see, faith, if it's living, if it's real, has to produce things. And man always wants to turn backwards the things that God does. You see, people can accomplish great things. But just because they accomplish great things, does that mean they have faith in God? I remember reading a history book talking about Christopher Columbus bringing the Christian faith to the West. Sitting here going, you must be crazy. Christopher Columbus didn't bring the Christian faith. He brought the slavery and the debauchery of the Catholic Church with him. There's nothing Christian about that. Read the history. He brought those people back in chains. And what went on after that, as you read the conquistadors in Central and South America, is some of the darkest chapters in human history. People have done some of the most evil things known to mankind with a crucifix hung around the neck. Under the symbols of religion. Jesus said, if you'll know the Son, he'll make you free indeed. Why will he make you free? Because he set you free from the guilt of your sin. He set you free from the guilt of your past. From having and knowing that no matter how good you do something, it's never going to be good enough or enough to please God. But he still loves you anyway. That's what Abraham found. And you see, Abraham's seed is not limited to that which is his physical offspring, it says we can have that same faith, that exact same faith that Abraham had. You and I can share with him. That we would follow in his steps and actually be counted of God as the sons of Abraham who are most unworthy of that great title. 
And yet, it says that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. That's us. You see, let's go down to um, to verse uh, uh, 13 here. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. And the promise made of none effect, because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression, but... Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but that which is also of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now look at verse 21. It says, let's get verse 20 here. It says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, I just want to touch on something here. What was Isaac's name? What did it mean? God shall laugh. Why was that? Because Abraham laughed. When God said, you're going to have your own son, he said, let Ishmael live before thee forever. God said, no, you're going to have your own. What did Sarah do in the tent when she overheard the conversation? She said, you, you, you may know something I don't, but my biological clock done, done broke. I mean, it hadn't been working for years. There, there's no way that I can have a child. God said, you're going to have one. Now, I'm not trying to be cruel, but I think God was laughing when Sarah got morning sickness. Because it hadn't quite dawned on her yet what was happening. And here's a 90-year-old woman waddling around with great with child. That, that would be pretty funny to watch, now wouldn't it? But you know what Sarah was doing? It says, through faith she receives strength. Because that doesn't happen normally. That was a miracle. She just believed that she God, it's happening. After all these years, after everything stopped, after all hope was gone. You see, that's why we have to be careful. My faith is not based on hope. My hope is based on faith. My hope is based on the Word of God. My faith is in the person of God who cannot be late. Mary and Martha found that out the hard way, didn't they? Jesus was late. He didn't come in time to save Lazarus, or did He? It's just healing him when he was sick or raising him from the dead. Which took more of God's effort? Neither. Because God doesn't do things through effort. He does them through his will. He speaks and it happens. I like what one preacher said. He said it was a good thing Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Because one day he's going to say, come forth, and all of the saved are going to come forth. Amen? I mean, we look forward to those things that are in the Scriptures. And, and we have a, a God, in spite of the fact of Abraham and Sarah's attempt at creating a child without God's help in Ishmael, in spite of the fact that they both laughed when God said that you're going to have a child, He says that Abraham was strong in faith. Do you get that? There's hope for me. There's hope for you to be strong in faith because it's not about you. 
It's all about God. Can we say amen to that? Now look at the next verse. And therefore it was, I'm sorry, and being fully persuaded what he had promised, he was able also to perform. You want to know why we fail? It's because we number verse 22, I mean verse 21, 20, and verse 20, 21 instead of the right way around. You see, we try to perform and we fail. We say, oh, I must not have had enough faith. No. You see, you get the faith first. Then you perform. You get the faith first. Then you obey. You don't obey to get faith. You obey because you have faith. This is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew when he said, He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. You don't endure to the end to get saved. You endure to the end because you are saved. You, the reason you things happen in the Christian's life is not so you can get more faith. That's the, the problem I have with a lot of this quote-unquote revival literature that's going around today. If we'll only pray hard enough, maybe we could see some of these things that they saw all these years ago. Wait a minute. Doesn't work that way. We get the faith first. You know what? God's still saving souls even in this late hour. I, I just I would like to see the whole city turn to God. Is that your call? Or is that God's call? Why don't we let God take care of the things that are His? And instead of praying for something that is totally under His direction, try to win the person next to us. And we just might see revival come. But it won't come because we're seeking it. That's not faith. That's not the way it works. You've got to get the faith first. Then you perform what God said. God didn't promise us revival in the Bible. You know what he promised us? That he would build his church. And that his church would continue Therefore, my effort and my life force is going to be in and about the work of his church and churches. How about you? Say amen if you believe that. Amen if you want that to be true in your life. By the way, you can't belong to a whole bunch of churches. I know there's a lot better churches out there than Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Bigger churches, stronger churches, much more missions giving churches. But this is the one that's here. And so if you live here, this is a good one to be a part of. Amen? Say, but it's not like of old. No. But you didn't live in of old. You're living right now. You see, faith is very practical. It's about today. It's about preparing to serve God tomorrow. And by the way, if you're not serving God today, there's a pretty good chance you won't be doing it tomorrow. But if you're serving Him today, you have hope that your faith is going to keep you on track tomorrow. Can we say amen to that? That's what happened in Abraham's life, wasn't it? God just took him one step away. And every point, if you... Want to study your Bible, and we'll just run down a little road here. We, we believe in a thing called dispensationalism. It's a method of Bible study. It's a method of rightly dividing the word of truth. But you know what dispensationalism really is? It's a testimony to man's 
failure with God's revelation. Isn't it? Adam and Eve failed in the garden. Mankind failed. Noah built an ark. Didn't take long after the ark for Noah to fail, did it? That's why that story's in there. God told Abraham, you're going to have a son. He believed him and God counted it to him for righteousness. And then he laughed in God's face and said, take my illegitimate son born of my handmaid of a forced relationship and, and make that your heir. And God says, I have nothing to do with that. I'm going to bless him because he's connected to you, but I'm not going to bless you because of what you did. I'm going to give you a son that's my way, the son of the promise, Isaac. And every time you're going to call him, you're going to know who was right and who was wrong. Don't you love God? The way he does things? He forgives us. And he keeps us in his track. And he says, Abraham had strong faith. I'm holding on to that, my friend. I remember someone told me once, oh, you had great faith uh, with, with uh, the money God raised to buy your building now. And, and he'll give you great faith to, to do the new building. And I'm sitting here going, you know, I was there. I don't remember any great faith. And, and I'm here and I'm not seeing or feeling any great faith right now. But by God's grace, I want to get up in the morning and do what I'm supposed to do. That's faith. And I'm not going to get discouraged and say, I've heard preachers say, oh, you're building that building for the Antichrist. Well, I have one of these dreams, and I just kind of hope it happens. And it's, it's up to the Lord, of course, but when he calls us, it says we're going to be changed. I kind of hope I'm in the building, one of them anyway. And, and when I go up, I don't want to pass through the rafters. I want to take a few with me and just take the roof off on the way up. And then the Antichrist can have a ruined building. Amen? But I, yeah, that's just human pride. We'll, we'll let the Lord take care of that. You see, there's some things that happen when we understand that no matter how much I do, it's not enough. But if I'll be fully convinced of God, I'll be able to perform those things that He wants me to perform. That's the verses we just read. Now we skip down to chapter 5 here, and it says that, therefore, being justified by faith. Are you saved today? Could you say amen? You know how you're justified? You're justified by faith. What is faith? Faith is believing that when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, that it actually was finished, and you're trusting only in the finished work of Christ to take you to heaven, to get you past you. Could you say amen to that? That's how we're justified. That's what faith gives us. But it gives us more. It says, to whom, by whom, Jesus, also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You see, faith gives me hope that someday my life will bring glory to God. He said, oh, you're a preacher. No, no, that's for every believer. God wants to get glory from your life. That's what faith will do. Remember, doctrine is powerful. It made Bar-Jesus the sorcerer blind It'll make you see if you let it. It'll make you see that God wants to do something with your life. You know one of the greatest accomplishments in this world today? Is to live a clean or a holy life in this wicked world. You want to be radical? You want, to re you want the nutcases of this world calling you a nutcase? Be holy. There's nothing more radical, more offensive to the human race than being holy. And you can only be holy by faith. How many say, preacher, I need God to work on my faith? 
I need more of that. I, I want to be that kind of crazy Christian. That You only get there by faith. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. You know, when bad things happen, I can be thankful to God. You know, we found out that roof was all asbestos, 100%. Somebody said, oh, that's terrible. No, actually it's good. Because if that roof hadn't been asbestos, we'd have to spend between eighty dollars and $100,000 just on parts. And I ordered the shingles yesterday for 10000 or Monday or Tuesday. No, it's Thursday morning of this week. It's been a crazy week for $10,000. So we saved 70,000 bucks. Now, 50 of it we're spending on getting rid of the asbestos, but we still come out scores of thousands of dollars ahead. I'll tell you what, God knows what He's doing. Stop worrying about it. Stop trying to figure out how God ought to do what God ought to do and start trying to figure out how God wants to use you tomorrow or this afternoon. Amen? If not, we'll go back and start over again. You see, this is what faith does. You see, patience, experience, experience hope, and hope maketh not to be ashamed. Here's the last point this morning. Verse 6, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure, or by chance, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, how much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. I love that hymn. He lives. He lives. How do I know He lives? He lives within my heart. You see, Abraham was fully convinced. And because he was fully convinced of what God said, God gave him the ability, even in spite of his failures, to get it done. That's faith. More powerful than anything known to mankind. Let me ask you a question. You see, his faith was counted as righteousness. The Bible says you can have that same faith. Are you trusting in that faith to save you today? Say amen. Do you know that that same faith will help you live? It will help you to live holy in a wicked world. And when we fail... It's because we forgot what he did to save us. You see, if we'll just remember what he did to save us, he'll give us the victory over the struggles that we face. No matter what it is, whether it's a health problem, financial problem, trying to figure out what's going on in the world around us, I'm glad God's in charge. In spite of the fact of all the people who think they're in charge. You see, we're saved from sin. Forgiveness involves payment. The wages of sin is what? That's why Jesus died on the cross. If we're saved through his death, how much more does God want to give us through his life? That's what Paul's saying. 
I'm asking you, how is your personal faith? That's what the word his means. It means belonging to you individually. How is your personal faith doing? If we're having some struggles, it's not God's fault. And instead of trying to figure out how you're going to fix it, that didn't work when you got saved. It's not going to work after you saved. Let's go back to the Word. Let's be convinced. And God will fulfill His Word in our life in spite of us. And count it for faith if we'll just follow Him. All God's people said. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We ask, Lord, that you would work personally in personal lives this morning. And that you would open our eyes to see our failures and our attempts to please you and be strong for you and work for you. Lord, that we would cast it aside as the foolishness that it is. And humble ourselves in the sight of God who has done everything for us. And like Abraham of old, we would just believe in you. And receive that strength that is necessary and that knowledge that is necessary to be obedient and fulfill the things that are in your word. Lord, we pray if there be someone here today that is unsaved. That today that they would understand that only through Jesus Christ can salvation be theirs. They'd be willing to let go of their own righteousness and their own faith and other things and their own beliefs and their own understanding. And trust only in your word and in the risen Lord. We ask that you would work during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. If you need to come, now is the time.